0: This is The Business of Life with Jan Arden and Arlene Dickinson. Hi, I'm Jan Arden. Hey, Jan. And who are you? Well, you know who I am. Arlene Dickinson. I'm going to say who it is because for the people that are listening, you you are about to embark on a journey on the business of life. So I'm just going to say that so you know what you're listening to in case you want to pull your car over right now or pull your house over and just sit in the parking lot and listen to us. Okay, go, Arlene. You can't pull your house over. So
1: I'm I'm a little down, Jan. Why? You know what? I was trying to figure it out. I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about, you know, like at this moment in time where so much is going right and life is so full, how I could possibly feel a little bit depressed and down. And I started thinking about how hard it is to stay optimistic in today's world, and that optimism has just become... A really hard thing to hold on to because as you feel good about yourself and things that are going on around you and as you're trying to put out positivity into the you know the world and, and you know like out there so people can feel better and you can feel better every there's so much inundation on social media and in the news and, and everywhere of this negativity this 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 dire sense of things are bad and and so sometimes I think it just gets to me. And, you know, I mean, I'll bounce back because I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an optimist and I know I'm going to be fine and I'm going to be able to bounce back. But I think there's a lot of people that are at home and don't get out socially the way we get to go out socially and, you know, are active and doing a lot of things who watch those news channels each and every day and feel absolutely like the world is coming to an end. And, you know, kind of it can be exactly that's what it does make you feel.
0: I understand that. And I think there's a really important thing that you are shining a light on. And that is that depression and anxiety, low grade, medium grade, high grade, whatever part of that spectrum that you suffer is not, um, it, it doesn't have anything to do with you know, how much money you make or your job or, Mm -mm. you know, your relationship status or if you have four kids or if you have this seemingly happy life. I think, you know, for me to look at you and to know you the way that I do all your accomplishments, um, flying back and forth all the time, the television shows that you tape. So outwardly, everyone's looking at you going, Arlene Dickinson, how could you ever possibly be down about anything? And that's not how that melancholia works. It is, no. it, 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 no one's immune to it, are they?
1: No, nobody's immune to it. And, you know, just even, I'll tell you, just even talking to you, getting to see you and thinking about, you know, oh, there's some, there's, and you're always so up and you're always so energetic and you always make me feel good. You, you take that extra time to say something nice. You always do it. Um, and that, that has impact. And so maybe, maybe the thought I have today on that is that, Take the time to make somebody's day a little bit better. I, I actually tweeted about this not too long ago. I, did I tell you the story about when I was driving down the highway and I I ran into I was coming back from my cottage and I was driving and I was low on gas so I ran into this um, gas station and when I got into the gas station I went in and I would just I wanted to get I think I was buying gum or something like that and I was paying for my gas and the gal that was behind the counter was super chipper and cheerful and she was really pleasant to me and she said oh you need to try Chapman's ice cream because Chapman's ice cream is local and it's so damn good. We and, do
0: not uh, we're not paid by the Chapman's Ice cream people. Just no, so you know. No,
1: we're not. Um but however if you want to sponsor the show, Chapman's <laughs> call one eight hundred us. Um so so any anyway, rate, so she's telling me to buy this ice cream and it's so good and did she know who you were? I don't think she did. I really she don't. She would she, she would have said right off. She was being really, really pleasant. Oh no, no, she she didn't at that point. But okay. hold on, hold on. Okay. I didn't think she did. So um, <laughs> I'm just wanting to go. I'm late. I want to get back in my car. I want to go. And so I I paid for the the gum and the the gas and I walked away and as I walked away, she said, "Hey, hey, are you that lady on is it a, on Shark's Tank?" Yeah. And and, and I I kind of looked around. I said, "It's Dragons Den. Yes, I am. Uh thanks very much." And I ran out the door, right? Cuz she said something about I love you on the show, right? Mhm. I got in the car. I started driving. I got home. I felt horrible. Because you'd been curt Because I yeah I hadn't taken that two extra minutes to say, hey, you know, like, thanks for saying that you love the show, even if you got the name of the show wrong. But I don't care. You're not perfect, Arlene. You're, like no, you can't, you're but, but I felt horrible. I actually tweeted about it and said, you know, like, take that extra minute. So all that to say... You take that extra minute. This morning, I was down, and you have made me feel better already. So there you go. I'm not sure what I did. You just said, yeah, you said something else. (laughs) But, oh, it's always so nice to see you. It is. How are you? You make me
0: smile as soon as I see your face. I mean, my, you know, people often are trying to measure or qualify what success means to each of us individually. What does it mean to be successful? And my answer has been the same for so many years, and that is my friendships. Yeah. That is my friendships. Sometimes my damn family lets me down in a big way because, you know, families are complicated, but... Friends, you know, I have new friends that I've met like yourself, like in the last decade, which are so special, harder to make friends as you get older. Mm -hmm. And then I've had friends, you know, from the time I was five, six years old that lived in the same neighborhood. And for some, whatever reason, I've stayed in touch with them, but they are the bar to which I measure how I'm doing. Um you know they 'll tell me when i'm when i 'm slipping this way or when i 'm not being cool or when i 'm not you know being present in my life, my friends will let me know that 's mm. the kind of friends they are yeah they don't give me a free pass um You mentioned earlier about you know hard being it being difficult to be optimistic it's funny, I had a partner for many years, and one of the things that was nailed into my brain so many times was, do you know how hard it is? to be around your optimism. That was one of the lines that I got fed. I was like, are you effing kidding me? Uh, you know how hard Can it is to be around it, your Did you, you know how hard it is to be around your optimism? Mm-hmm. So even that it's almost like it's like you're you're wrong to be optimistic. Yeah, and and people want to bring you down mm-hmm. to some kind of level that is acceptable to them.
1: Is it harder I mean this might be a, for you, I think I know what you're going to say here. But for people who um, haven't experienced life the way you've experienced life, like, is it harder to be optimistic and upbeat around your family than it is your friends? See, I think it is. I, think it's somet- I would agree with that. Right? It's sometimes harder to be like, sometimes you feel like I can't always be the cheerleader. Or why am I always a cheerleader? Or I can't, you know, like sometimes you feel like your family is using you in a way that doesn't feel good even though they're not but I think we're so hard on our family relationships more so than we are in our friend relationships so. right that way from but a, have
0: you ever said to yourself I don't know if I would be friends with this person if I wasn't related to them like I that that thought has crossed my mind like would we ever see each other if we weren't related to each other and um, that sometimes leaves a pit in the bottom of my stomach because it's it's the truth
1: I just turned the lights
0: off in I love the it. studio
1: because I'm dying. I from look better already. The heat. sorry. Not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to take my jacket off too. Like it's so hot in here. I'm like I'm sweating and melting, and so I just turned the lights off in the studio. So that click you heard was, and then Jan just
0: kind of looked at me like, "What is she doing?" <laughs> I like it when she sets up the mood for us. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's been a while, um, but yeah. I, and why do you think holidays are so difficult for people, Arlene? Like, like, I, because there's, their hellish. expectations are so
1: high. We no, because you're
0: there with your whole damn family but trying y- to... Okay, I think it's from move, the
1: movie industry. Like, you go to watch, like, oh, I don't know, like... A Wonderful Life or whatever the, you know, the old movies are, you know, White Christmas or all these. And even today's world, like you love you actually the, that I love, watch
0: every year after year after oh, year with a oh, guy that comes to the door with the card saying "I we've romanticized everything. Oh, wait, I have got to ask you a question, like totally a little bit of a segue, but right.
1: It is on topic. Have you seen the new series? This is us. Mm hmm. It is the most emotionally draining television program I have ever watched in my entire life. I don't watch TV hardly at all. Okay, I, I you watch, can see it on CTV if you I, want. I to. watch. Cor- I watch. Cor- it's not a plug for CTV. <laughs> no, but uh, just say I, I watch. I watch Corey Street. Okay, which I've watched for thirty years, and I love Corey Street. Is that Coronation Street? Coronation Street. Okay, I'm just getting down on the lingo. Okay, Corey Street. You know what? I'll know when Corey Streets made it when one of them is invited to a royal wedding because I think they should be because they really are. Aww. They really are Britain. Um, anyhow, all that aside, <laughs> I want to get back to this is us. I actually had to like I've been kind of watching it, bookend watching it. Like I I watched twenty episodes in a row, like season one. Are and you season insane? Two. I am. Like I have never done that in my life. And then I finally the other day I had to turn it off because I started to have these dreams and thoughts about, you know, my childhood and my kid's childhood and what did I remember and why didn't I remember things the way that they really remember things and what was I good at, what was I bad at. And <laughs> I, I was like, oh my God, I was up all night. Okay, this could be
0: a catalyst for why you're feeling blue. Maybe. I think you're going to the Rolodex of Arlene Dickinson's life and you are passing judgment on yourself for things that are gone and things that are out of control because this is us. The show very much is, um, a delight because we go, we jump back and forth with two or perhaps even three timelines of, of, you know, when the family has small kids. And then when the family, obviously the parents are in their fifties and their kids are in their, you know, late twenties. So you're, you're seeing, you, you're able to actually see these lives unfold and the mistakes that they made going back in time. I think that's what you're doing. I think it's affected your brain.
1: So I feel like, you know, just getting back to watching television and some and, and whether it's news, which is now commentary instead of news. So when did the news become the commentary station instead of the news station? Because um, it's all about opinion now. Mm-hmm. And you listen to everybody's opinion on what is happening, and then you watch programs that are t- and- Incredibly well written and incredibly well acted, and then they make you kind of ponder life. And sometimes you got to just—you've got
0: to have a lot of strength to pull yourself out of a funk these days, you know. But I mean, you know, there's there's tried and true things, and uh, uh, certainly in my life, uh, for from this is coming from someone who has suffered from a low grade anxiety like for years at a time. There was a time in my life where I almost quit music because it was getting so difficult to perform that it was... I really had to weigh out, like, is it worth putting myself through this to keep going forward? A number of things happened. A, you know, I had ended a relationship, my parents were sick, I was drinking too much. So for me, to be able to say to myself, there is a reason why you're feeling like this. And I do understand that with some depression... People can't pinpoint that. So I was very lucky. There was a catalyst, there was a reason, there was a cause to it. But I, you know, people that I know that suffer from depression will tell you, I don't know why. It is just there, like a cloud, like a blanket that's been thrown over me. So I had that advantage. Anyway, when I stopped drinking, when, you know, I started getting help from my mom and dad, when I got out of the relationship, my life started changing. You know, exponentially, it just started changing because I made such drastic changes. It it was, it couldn't help but happen. But I think what I was going to say, there's tried and true things. So it's that it's helping yourself, it's reaching out to your friends, leaning on your friends. And for me, it was moving, walking, air, motion. My my dad's chair became a metaphor for his life. He had um, one of those reclining chairs. And the man sat in it for 15 years to the point where he wore a hole in the head on the left-hand side. Arlene, how much do you have to sit in a chair a to wear a hole in it? And he couldn't walk at the end of his life. He couldn't move. That chair was such a symbol to me of oh, that was what prison, static right? caused in his yeah. life. So, yeah. And I know I've watched you. I see your Instagram. I see your Twitter. I see you working your butt off with a trainer. And I've seen you change like so much. So I hate to see you even be hard on these bad days because we're going to have low days. We're going to have hard days. We're going to have days where we question our very existence, what we did right, what we did wrong, all of that stuff. That's part of the road that we walk. So I think you're being hard on yourself.
1: Yeah, thank you. I mean, yes, I, I think, I think, but that's that is kind of the point that we can be hard on ourselves. And it, listen, I've I've suffered from horrible depression. I've had periods in my life where see,
0: people would never know that. Oh,
1: Jan, when I went through my second divorce, um, I I literally couldn't get out of bed. I want I pulled the covers over my head. I was in my home for days at a time. I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't know how I was going to function. I, I, I had. The, the darkest thoughts I I honestly my depression was and and I knew that the thing that I I'm grateful for is that I knew I was suffering from depression okay. I knew that I was in this bad place and but I didn't I couldn't help myself how to get out of it I, I couldn't see how to get out of bed I couldn't see how to get dressed I couldn't see how to face people I I, I was just so so depressed and so I felt like such a failure. And I think depression is, no no matter exactly, it doesn't matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter what's going on mm-hmm. in your life, if something triggers for you that actually just is so dark for you that you can't overcome it, it is it is debilitating, mm-hmm. and it is lonely, and it is scary. and And for those of you who listen to us talk about life and the business of life, um, I would encourage you, if you're feeling that way, to make sure that you reach out for help because the only thing that is going to help you get out of your own mind and your own head is somebody helping you
0: navigate through it. Where did you start um, to let a little bit of light in again? Where did that start for you?
1: You know, I, I had my business and I had to get up because I had people
0: that worked for me and people and that relied me. How old were your kids at that time?
1: Um they would have been in their teens. They would have been in their yeah, late okay. teens, early twenties. So they weren't
0: toddlers that you needed to dress and No,
1: no. They were they were <laughs> young adults. Um but I, I just I just felt I, I guess obligation and the pressure that you had a business got to run. me out of bed. So I had to go do something. And then I think what saw me through was I, I'm I have been blessed with this pragmatically optimistic point of view and eventually as you get busy and you start doing things for me that and talking to my friends and you know to the people around me who cared about me um, that helped me get through it. But I think I was just damn lucky because I think there are so many people that don't have that purpose yeah. like I did with the business or my family. Even with family, people who have depression have family and still can't overcome depression. So, uh, my point isn't that I somehow am actually better than anybody who can't f- battle mm-hmm. it without getting counseling or help. My my point is I needed help and I I got my help in a different, less formal way. But I got help, and you need to you need to call and get help because. The business of life is is is, tar- it is hard, and it's can be overwhelming, and we can and in a world that feels so down and negative and depressing, um, you know, I read the newspaper and I just kind of go, wow, what's what, what's going to happen to my grandchildren's generation and my great grandchildren's generations, and so I think getting help is vital and realizing that your life is is um is good and, and and worth living and and as i said i i don't i for those of you who are suffering and are feeling alone um you reach out and if you can reach out get out of the bed if you can get out of the bed um read a read a read a book uh, I think you know, pray lot, meditate do whatever you yeah need there's to a lot of shame can.
0: associated with, it's, with it's any not kind shameful.
1: of shameful it's horrible. It, no no
0: it's not but but i think there is a sense of shame with people uh, uh this innate sense that they have failed somehow and that they don't want people to see them in that light you know there's a there's a, a theme that happens over and over and over again arlene and that's you know, when someone ends up, you know, hurting themselves or trying to take their own lives or is successful in taking their own lives, that's kind of a weird word to use for a suicide, the success of committing suicide, is that people are like, I didn't know. I had no idea. So these are people, and, and on a personal level, my, my cousin just passed away two weeks ago. <clears throat> He's 22 years old. He had suffered from depression since the time he was six years old. Oh, Jan, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, and my my cousin Lisa, who is 47 years old, you know, it just absolutely devastating. I've known about Mitchell's depression for many, many years because they've been so open as a family talking about it. They've been so open as a family, as was Mitchell, you know, just saying, I can't, I'm trying to fight it. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to fight this but at six years old to, you know, be living in that darkness. And he did as well as he could possibly do, but he didn't win the battle with suicide. He um, <clears throat> passed away in his in his dorm room, And but he was very specific. He left notes for everybody. Uh, I was very privileged to read the one that he wrote to his mom and dad. And it was a real insight, Arlene, to what he felt like and how he expressed himself. And I know, <clears throat> excuse me, we need to take a break and we will, I will clear my throat, but we're, we're going to come back and talk about this some more because it's important. Yeah. Jan, you
1: like, just, you know, it's, there's degrees of everything, right? There's degrees
0: of, of feeling
1: down. There's degrees of, of feeling depressed. There's degrees of loneliness. And then there's, there's the, the last degree, which is I can't carry on. And and I'm so sorry to hear about mm-hmm. your, your nephew.
0: Yeah. It's, kind of a, it's a kind of a catastrophe. A week after that, uh, you know how Facebook is a uh, 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 a woman that I went to, to high school with. And we were very good friends in high school. Lost touch over the years, but of course, Facebook knows everything. And her daughter, also that age, 22, 23 years old, also at her university dorm in McGill, took her own life. She just had entered law school. At 22. Yeah. And so it really got me thinking this last week. I mean, it's very prevalent, but when it touches your own life, when it's somebody that you know, when it's a family that you know, um, and you think about, God, what, where does it get to for, for that to happen? Jen, I'm so, so sorry to hear about your cousin. That's, it's just devastating news. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's so—I'm relieved for him. As his mom and dad have been so gracious about it, you know, after sharing the letter <coughs> excuse me, with the family— um, and reading it, they were just like, you know, how can I not be happy and supportive and filled with grace for my son? Mm-hmm. Because it was too hard for him here. He said things like, I can't breathe here. Yeah. I cannot breathe here. And he did his due diligence. They did family therapy. They did counseling. They did so many medications. And... um it is. It's unfortunate. Is such a stupid word. It sounds trivial and sounds uncaring. But it is just. It's a. It's a tragedy. But you know, getting back. We, we, here we are, Arlene. You and I have certainly experienced success in our lives. People look at us in a different light. Like we are these um, kind of strong women that don't have any days that have thunder clouds in them. And that just couldn't be further from the truth. So when you're looking at other people's lives. And what they're outwardly showing you, have compassion, mm-hmm. have tolerance and really understand that everybody walks this precarious, strange path. Yeah, my, my um my dad used to tell me that, <coughs>
1: you know, you you've got to be careful that you don't judge people by how they look on the outside because you never know what they're going through on the inside.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that was, you know, because we, we can, we tend to do that. We think, I mean, listen, Instagram and social media is the, is the worst for this because we see people's lives and you go, well, their life is, is perfect. They're always dressed perfectly. They look perfect. They, they're fit. They're all these things. Um, and it's why I post my, when I do work out my post, my work, like I don't, I rarely show myself working out. I usually just show myself almost ready to pass out because I've just worked out. Um, <laughs> they make me laugh every time. I'm just like, "What are you doing? Why are you doing that with your legs?" Exactly. Uh, but I, but I think I post that because I want people to know it, it's, the it's hard work. You know, I I ran into um, Dion Phaneuf last night actually, and we were we were chatting, and and you know he's a he's a. World class hockey player, and 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 a friend, and he said, Arlene, I've been watching your videos on social media." And he said, "Good for you." He said, "You know what? Fitness is really hard, and it's really hard to stay fit." And he said, "You, you—that's so fantastic that you're doing it." Now, here's a guy who gets up every day, and all he does is workout and fitness. And, he's paid for it. I know, but he's still, he still—he, you know—he still has to show up. We can all be paid for things and and kind of just show up, not really show up. You know, like you can be paid to do something, but not really be there a hundred percent. And I just thought. Isn't that how kind that was of him to even mention it to me? And again, words of kindness, moments of truth, um, helping support people, encouraging people, being a little less judgmental, looking at people for the inside, not the outside. And all of those things help people because you don't know
0: who's depressed.
1: You don't know who's sad.
0: Well, the devil's in the details, right? Right. And we do need to take time. We are living in, in um, a world where information is coming at us in an unprecedented way. Mm-hmm. You know, people that lived in 1930 and 1940 and grew up in small towns uh, strewn across North America were not inundated. My God, you know, once a week they'd hear about, yeah, Mrs. Parker got a combine through her eyeball. You know, and they'd hear about that. <laughs> That's or, what they'd hear. But yes. they wouldn't <laughs> would hear that. Arlene, can you humor me here? A combine can go through an eyeball. I know, but that's not okay. Adam a... is Adam, our engineer is shaking. He's he's not agreeing with me, you know. And the news was just about uh, what happened on farms. Or yeah, they they had a new horse, whatever. Take ill. I'm sounding like an idiot now, but anyway, the news wasn't like it is now. I get the point. Okay, well, thank you. And and now it's just millions of bits of just nonsense. It's yeah, uh, we're all sick of hearing it. I, I don't even look at the news anymore. I like to know what's going on in the world, but honestly, I'm I'm protecting myself because it's not the news;
1: it's the commentary channel. I'm telling you. Okay, so I took my I gotta tell you, I took my grandmother when she was alive to Heritage Park. Heritage Park in Calgary, for those of you who don't know it, is like a is like a, a land um, area that's uh, right off the Glenmore Reservoir that has all of these um, old
0: Artifacts, an artifacts
1: and towns, it would be a turn of the railway, 19, yeah. and and it's got um, you know they've done blacksmiths, they've got every, kind of everything there that is really what life was like in the early, I guess, eighteen hundreds. Yeah. And you can go there and you can experience what it was like to live in the eighteen hundreds. They dress in costume, they they um, they the, the food they serve is kind of traditional food that would have been eaten back then, and you can go on the ride around the the railway. It's it's fun. Anyway, so I go with my grandmother, who at the time was, you know, in her probably late 70s, early 80s, I'd say. And I think I'm going to take her back in time to, you know, like to, to her time, right? So we go walking around Heritage Park. And I'm... I'm loving it. Like, I'm looking at all the cute dresses, the pinafore dresses, and I'm looking at the gal that's ironing with one of those irons, you know, that you set on up the on stove. the... And, and then I'm, I'm watching, you know, them, how they carried water in and and seeing the washboards, how they did wash. And we're talking about all this stuff. And I look and I say, you know, this is so amazing. Like, look at how it seems like life was so much simpler. And I, and I love this because everything was so simple and she looked at me she said Arlene <laughs> She said, "Are you crazy? This was work. This was work. From the time you caught up, you had to go get the wood. You had to get the fire going. You had to iron the clothes. You had to. You had to. You, know, you had to go shovel out the the uh, horse manure. You milk had the to cows, milk the cow to get make your milk. The bread. She said it was the worst possible time of my life. <laughs> she said there's nothing about this. Yeah, you know, those those early days. Um, now she wasn't born in the early 1800s. No, but still but even she recognized and remembered how how hard things were then, versus today where things are easier. I, I laughed. I thought, oh, huh. romanticizing the wrong thing yet again,
0: Arlene. I am so glad that I had the chance to ask my grandmother questions yeah. of of those times. My grandmother died at eighty eight. She's been gone about fifteen years now, so she'd be hundred and she was born in nineteen twelve. Actually, she'd be hundred and five. But I said to her one day, I was a young girl. I was you know in my early twenties, and and I remember sitting at her kitchen table, and I said. Graham, what did you guys do for your periods? <laughs> no, but I did. I exactly. I, I, but I'm rags. Sorry. i Rags. She rags. said that they all and and you have to understand. My grandmother was one of seventeen children. I believe nine of them were girls, uh. and yeah, they were strewn in ages. But they all stayed at the farm until they got married and left. But yeah, it was little rags that they pinned to their to their underpants. And she said we all, you know, I. She said I remember washing them. You know, in a bucket of cold water and hanging them all on a line to dry out. She said we didn't really have a lot of cloth, and we had to save and reuse it. And I started bawling my head off. And she goes, "Oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know why you're crying. It was nothing. It was nothing at all." That yeah, well, that's what it was. It was
1: commonplace. From. And in fact, what's funny about that, well, if it's if it can be funny, it is. What's funny, what's funny about that is that now. They're actually coming out with cloths that are reusable because they want to get rid of all of the plastics and the the um, so they the fabrics that are real. used. So they're re- they're they're going back to what probably was a more practical approach um, from a environmental perspective, but I'm not sure it's practical from a life perspective. I don't even want to. Okay, so well let's let's think about what else has changed. We'll come back to that. I want to think about what else has changed. What's old is new again. There's a lot of old is new. So as we're looking for sponsors for the show, Dan, I think we've got Chapman's ice cream so yep. far, and now maybe we should go and talk to uh, Kotex or Playtex and see if I, one of them wants. Please, my dolls come come my talk doll. to us. <laughs> hey, you know we are one of those women that we went through all that. I, I am thankfully not going through that anymore. I've gone through menopause. <sighs> I think and, and, I'm in the end of it. I think I'm at the end of it. Yeah, but you, you, no one tells you that you still get hot flashes after. Do they oh, tell forever. you that?
0: I thought you got them for a while, and then they were done. But like I was having one here twenty minutes ago. Oh no, I think they. I think it's different for every woman. But you know, I, I they say that men go through their own type of cycle. Um, I'm not sure what it is. Maybe they, they just a, want a, they sports a sports car. It's <laughs> <That's> so stereotypical. <laughs> every mother, we're so awful. Really? We're awful. And um, but it,
1: yeah. Did you get your period when you got your period the first time? I was skiing. You were skiing.
0: Yeah, I was 17. And I went, huh. And I rolled up toilet paper and I stuck it in my ski pants and off I went. (laughs) I didn't miss a stitch. (laughs) I was
1: home, and I had to actually talk to my dad about it because my mom wasn't there. Oh, wow. And I didn't quite know what to say to him to say, you know, that this had happened. And it was kind of one of those, like you say, like you... that's such an important part in a woman's life, and there should be some... There should be something, like... You know, I don't know, like a bell should ring or a timer should start to say to you for the next 30 years of your
0: life, you're oh, not going to like this, this time
1: of the month very much. Something, something.
0: I, you know, I, I, I didn't have the courage to talk to my mom, and I'm a little embarrassed about that now. I think it would be my mom was very open and she was very kind with me. She was, you know, a little bit uncomfortable talking about personal things and and but we were always clean she talked about hygiene she's like oh you got to wash everywhere and things like that but for whatever reason I couldn't go to her and tell her so sadly for me um I you know went through a heck of a lot of toilet paper making myself little (laughs) homemade toilet paper pads you're probably wondering what the hell am I listening to um, but this is the business of life, folks. but anyway, I did that for a year, and I remember my dad being so mad. What the hell is happening to all that G d toilet paper in this house? And you know, obviously he was noticing that you know every four or five, six weeks, there was like nine rolls of toilet paper that would disappear in a matter of days, and I was so embarrassed I never did tell them. I never said anything. My mom finally said to me when I was like seventeen and a half years old, "Well, she'll, you're probably going to be getting this, and maybe you already did." And and then she opened this drawer in her bedroom and she showed me all these pads and everything—not tampons. She didn't show They didn't. I don't even know if she used them, but it was these pads, and I was just like, "Oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened." They look so big. They look like Joan Crawford shoulder pads.
1: <laughs> you know. You know what? But. I okay so we all use those pads and this what are we listening to here but we are like it's actually so true why don't we talk about this the first time i used a tampex i was traumatized i had no idea where does this where go where does this go what am i supposed to do how, does, how long is it in for what what yeah. happens does it hurt all of that does stuff does it stay does in? it stay and then and then the the next part is cuz i didn't have much money In fact, I had no money. I couldn't afford to warehouse or stockpile tampons when, you know, they were on sale. So it was... And plus, for some reason that I, I can't fathom today... It was always a surprise that I'd get my period. Like, oh, oh, we're, I didn't think that was going to happen again next month. And, and, and then you had to go to the store. And, and then, you know, if you were lucky enough to be with a husband or a boyfriend who was kind enough, they would go in and buy them for you, which is very rare. Um, but I was reading the other day that Scotland has actually created a law where um, feminine hygiene products are free. Something, what like, they're either free or I'm going to look that
0: up. It's that they're either free or it's something.
1: I'm, I like would have moved to
0: Scotland at 31. I, th- I, think, I think, it, think I've spent $125,000 on years. I think, maxi pads I think over it should years. be free. I think, I think,
1: I think it's one of those things that it should be first of all, you shouldn't pay taxes on it,
0: it's a necessity. Um, I saw a really amazing charity that uh, these women uh, in in uh, Western Canada were, were were kind of getting behind and and trying to pick up some some support for and, and it, it was it was getting feminine protection for girls you know young women in third world countries and I mean anywhere from Haiti yeah. to Somalia yeah. to 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 because they didn't have anything here's 12 13 14 year old girls having to walk 10 miles to school and not having anything to 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 use so it was just like um i just thought it was a fascinating thing to try and raise money for because they they didn't have anything available to them they didn't even have cloths they didn't have anything and they stayed home from school when they had their period they just stayed home well, and that's
1: that's the problem. And when you think about education being so important, and actually now that I say that, that was exactly what the story was. Um, they were offering free sanitary products to all the stu- students um, uh, Love that it. went to universities or colleges or high schools. All the students, I think it's it was. It's expensive, and, and you know what? Uh, and, and to low income um, to low income women as well. And it it's ridiculous that. Girls have to stay home from school or get shamed because they can't afford these products, and that should be handed out for free to people that are on low incomes It absolutely should be. and it shouldn't be taxed and I don't think we're going to get the government to sponsor this podcast because now i'm mad at the government for why are you taxing something like
0: that? Come on, you guys well I, I, it's just things once again that don't get talked about because. They're marginalized things. And I mean, since biblical times, I, I remember reading a book called The Red Tent, and it was, uh, I think the author was Anita Diamante, or and, and it, it talked about women that were you nomadic know, and traveling with their husbands and their families. And once a month, they stopped and they put up these huge red tents, and all the women that were menstruating sat in these tents, considered unclean by everybody. I know we're getting into a whole different territory. But, you know, not, not much has changed in thousands and thousands of years of how... How that is so kind of a weird taboo subject, and that you're not—it's supposed to be the secret thing that nobody knows about, and you got to get through it on your own. Um, I think it is changing, though. Slowly. I think.
1: I think. I think it is changing. I think we're listen. We're we're able to do a podcast and talk
0: about it, and and you know if it's making people uncomfortable, I'd be surprised. But it is expensive. I have to agree with you. Like it's I stupid. Expensive. Go to a gas station and try and buy tampons sometimes. Like if you're in your pinch. Yeah. You you get ten tampons in a thing. And it's like twelve ninety nine. I'm like, are you out of your minds? And could you please make them in three different sizes and flows?
1: Because you end up having to buy a they package for light. You know? Do they?
0: Yeah, they Oh, see, the, it's been a while. <laughs> okay, well, they're bigger boxes now, and you you get regular and super and plus and light. Yeah, no, you get okay, the whole that's gamut. that's smart. That's yeah. smart. That's the way it should be. Um, no, no, they're they're getting better. And I, listen, Arlene, someone should be coming to Dragon's Den. With a new concept with managing women's periods, okay, it's every month, it's, it's income that's going to happen every single month, and it's going to go to the end of time. Why isn't something... Let's do that. Let's start, you know, because like, there's that shave, that, that dollar razor club. Why don't
1: we do it for Tampix? We're gonna like because that's what they do. They send you razors once a month because men need razors once a month for their shavers. Yeah. Why don't we do that for Tampics? We're gonna start a new business right here, right
0: now. We're gonna call it. I'm telling you, it's like the funeral business. It's people are always gonna drop dead and people are always gonna have their periods. I mean, I tried. One those of, two things are not. connected. I, I tried one. Of, they're very connected, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> do the math. I tried one of those uh, cups. Uh, oh, no, now 1. we're getting way too. No, no, no. But <laughs> no. It, it was a, it was a Ew. terrifying experience. A I cup. didn't like it. It wasn't for me. Well, it's a reusable cup, but try doing that on a plane or a public washroom. It is, it was like Armageddon. I really, it looked like someone had been murdered everywhere I went. I know, ladies and gentlemen, you want to pull your cars over, get the. Okay, we're going to stop. We're going to talk about licorice now. Let's talk now. about
1: something <laughs> Let's talk I about. love black I don't licorice, know where don't we we you, me, Arlene? Well, I'm no longer feeling
0: a little bit down. I'm feeling a little bit embarrassed. <laughs> but I love it when embarrassment takes the place of anxiety and depression. It's a much better feeling. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, but anything. <laughs> we we, we will life. move on, but for those of you, Arlene and I are going to like, start something. It's going to be a... Uh, dollar a month period club is that what it's going to be called?
1: Yeah, we won't make any money because we want to charge them nothing. We just want to get them to their hands. It so should just be... be called period. I love it. Okay, period by Arlene and Jan. Yeah, or by it. Jan
0: and Arlene. Here I we go again.
1: Like you're Jarlene
0: Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, is there enough oxygen in here? Do you think, Adam? Do you well, think? think it's so? Okay, just just light-headed. Okay, so I'm not. I'm. We went from. I love this. This is, this, I would sit in my car and listen to this. No, you wouldn't.
1: Mm. And for those of you who are just newly subscribed to our podcast, um, we did go a little bit weird today. No, we but this didn't. is what but you know what this is how friends talk and this is how people talk. And the whole point of this podcast is hopefully to get you out talking to your friends mm-hmm. and having conversations and finding light and hope and humor and sharing sadness and 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 sorrow and being able to talk about what's going on in the world because we believe, Jan and I both believe that by talking, we learn, and by sharing, and I'm not always agreeing, because Jan and I don't always agree. I mean, one of one of uh, uh, my friends who'd listened to the podcast said, you guys really get along, you always agree, and I said, no, you know, there's things that we don't always agree on, and maybe that can be the topic for our next podcast, stuff we don't always agree on. Mm-hmm. I don't
0: agree on. We don't agree politically a lot. I think we're no. I think we can be quite polarized that way. But yeah, you know a but lot I think more about polar. that kind of structure. But I mean, and and relationship stuff. I I. Uh, yeah, you're you're still you're still on the hunt. I'm not on a hunt. Yes, at you all. are. You're I'm on a on, hunt. I am you're not on, a, on hunt. a hunt. You are. You're what on a hunt. What part of
1: me says I'm on a hunt? You, are you kidding? You're on such a hunt. I think we have to talk about oh, that. Oh my I think my you just don't G-O-D. see it yourself. You just don't see it, but I see it.
0: You're okay. on a hunt. Wow, ladies and gentlemen! I hope this is all the time we have now. Do we? Is this the end of it? Is this the end of this one?
1: Yeah, we're done.
0: I am not we're on the t- hunt. Yeah, you are.
1: Yeah. Deed, deed, deed,
0: <laughs> the business of life with Jan Arden and Arlene Dickinson.